today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. Do you know why we have that famous love chapter in the book of Corinthians? It's because the Corinthian church thought they were so loving, so tolerant, so accepting. Hey, we don't confront anybody. Hey, we just want you to come. You know, praise the Lord. We're not going to judge you. That's not love. In fact, that's the antithesis of love. You must not love them at all if you're unwilling to confront them. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of 1 Timothy. The Corinthian church thought they had everything together, but they struggled to confront sin, and by doing so, ungodly things were seeping through the cracks. In today's message, Pastor J.D. will emphasize the importance of confronting the things that hurt the church. But that confrontation should always be done in love. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in 1 Timothy chapter 5 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. 1 Timothy chapter 5, we're going to pick it up in verse 17. We left off in verse 16 last week. The Apostle Paul is writing to Timothy, and this is a very interesting passage of Scripture, as I think you're going to see here shortly. Verse 17, he says, The elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. For Scripture says, verse 18, do not muzzle an ox while it is treading out the grain, and the worker deserves his wages. Do not, verse 19, entertain an accusation against an elder unless it is brought by two or three witnesses. But, verse 20, those elders who are sinning, you are to reprove before everyone, so that the others may take warning. I charge you in the sight of God and Christ Jesus and the elect angels to keep these instructions without partiality, and to do nothing out of favoritism. Do not, verse 22, be hasty in the laying on of hands, and do not share in the sins of others. Keep yourself pure. Stop drinking only water, verse 23, and use a little wine because of your stomach and your frequent illnesses. The sins of some are obvious, reaching the place of judgment ahead of them. The sins of others trail behind them. In the same way, verse 25, good deeds are obvious, and even those that are not obvious cannot remain hidden forever. So I would like to talk with you about some of the characteristics that make a church spiritually healthy 
and safe for God's people to worship and fellowship. Here in the text that's before us today, the Apostle Paul is providing specific instructions to Timothy, a young pastor, uh, there in Ephesus. And it's important to understand that Timothy is obeying really the command by the Apostle Paul, who early on in the first letter here told him to stay there. He didn't want to stay there. He's dealing with a lot of very serious issues. There were big problems in this church there in Ephesus. And what we know to be true about Timothy, and we're going to see that here shortly, he was bashful, shy, timid, which is why Paul will write to him later on and say, don't don't be like that. God's not given us a spirit of timidity or a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. So here's this young pastor, and he's got big problems there in this church in Ephesus, and Paul is trying to encourage him and help him and instruct him, and in so doing, he's going to address what I would argue are three of the most important traits of a spiritually healthy church. And the first one, just bear with me, I know this is going to sound self-serving, in verses 17 and 18. We'll spend a little bit of time on this. (laughs) Pastors are honored. So Paul here is instructing Timothy concerning the elders, the pastors, those especially who labor in the teaching and the preaching of God's Word. And he says to Timothy that they are worthy of their wages, and they are deserving of interesting double honor. Now keep in mind that this word honor carries with it the idea of value, price. It's where we get our English word for honorarium. We're talking about a salary here. We're talking about the pay. And what Paul is saying is that especially those as pastors and teachers who labor in the Word of God, they are not only worthy of being paid, they're worthy of double pay. Let's talk about this just for a moment here. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. Actually, seriously, I'm kidding. I hope you know, <laughs> and if you don't know, and especially for those that are new, you need to know that the board of elders here have been so very generous with me over the years. I am so well taken care of. And so this is not an issue. Sadly, though, this is an issue. In fact, it's a big issue in many a church today, and it has to be addressed. And it really does start with the pastor of the church. And here's the thing, you're as a church entrusting that pastor, that teacher, with the Word of God eternally, why can't you trust him with financial means temporarily, financially? And again, it's a big issue. And I find it interesting that Paul 
would quote from the Old Testament in the book of Deuteronomy. And not only that, but he also quotes the Savior himself. Let's start with the Deuteronomy quote. It's chapter 25, verse 4. It says, you shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain. Stay with me on this. This is quite an interesting picture here and a great illustration here. This is what they were doing. This is really cruel, by the way. You have the ox in that culture at that time in that day that's treading out the grain, and you don't want that ox to eat from the grain that he's treading out. So what do you do? You put a muzzle on him so he can't. And what God is saying here in Deuteronomy is don't do that. Don't muzzle the ox. The ox is worthy of being able to eat from the grain that he's treading out. And it's the same principle. The pastor, those who labor in the teaching and preaching of God's Word, are worthy of that which they are valued for and should be paid for. In Matthew's Gospel, chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, Paul quotes the Savior. Listen to what Jesus said. This is when he's sending the disciples out. He says, verse 9, Do not get any gold or silver or copper to take with you in your belts, no bag for the journey or extra shirt or sandals or a staff. Oh my goodness, that kind of covers it all. Well, what can I take? Nothing. Why? Because the worker is worth his keep and they should receive from that which they work for. I think about the Levites. They were not given any land, as were the other tribes. Why? Because theirs was the priestly service in the tabernacle, and subsequently the temple. And the Levites portion was from the tithes and offerings that came into the tabernacle, and then eventually the temple. So at this time, we're going to have the ushers come forward and receive an... <laughs> You'll forgive my failed attempt at humor, uh, but accusations are authenticated. This is a biggie. If you were to ask me what I thought was one of the most, if not the most, destructive dynamics within a church, this would have to be it. Namely, that of entertaining accusations as opposed to authenticating accusations made against the leadership, an elder, and certainly the pastor. I have to say that over the years, mainly on the mainland, I've seen this one thing destroy lives destroy churches, destroy marriages, destroy families. False accusations, rumors. I mean, just, it's so subtle. I say it that way for a reason, because Satan is so clever. He is so subtle. It's so insidious. See, the gates of hell cannot prevail against the church outwardly. So what does Satan do? He regroups, and he does it from within. 
That's how. Because Satan's sole goal, because he hates the church of Jesus Christ, and he hates you because of what you represent as the church of Jesus Christ. And is he not the accuser of the brethren? The father of lies, when he speaks, he speaks in his native language, lies and rumors and false accusations. When entertained, have the propensity to absolutely destroy a ministry. This is serious. You'll notice that Paul even provides Timothy with specific instructions as to how he, as the pastor, is to deal with these accusations that are made. He's to have it established in the presence of two or more witnesses. It has to be authenticated. It has to be validated. It has to be vetted, whether it's true or not. Because all it takes is for you to say something to this effect. Did you hear? Oh, it always starts with those words, doesn't it? And like the Proverbs says, that is delicious to our flesh. It goes, oh man, that tasty morsel. What? Oh, you didn't hear? No, what? Oh, this is juicy. I want juice. Yeah, so, you know, He's having marriage problems. (gasps) Yes, yeah. So what do we do? We gossip about them instead of praying for them. Shame on us. Shame on us. Innate within our sin nature, in our flesh, Paul says, I know that in my flesh there dwells no good thing. I am rotten, wicked, evil, through and through. Jeremiah says, you can't even know your own heart. Your heart is deceitfully wicked. It's beyond hope, beyond repair. There's no hope. (laughs) You need a new heart. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 18, verses 15 through 17. Let me uh, preface this by saying this. These verses are perhaps amongst the most disobeyed in all of the Bible. You want to, throughout all of Scripture, you want to pinpoint a passage of Scripture that is not heeded or obeyed, this would be at the top of the list. This is Jesus speaking. Listen to this. If your brother or sister sins, go and post something on social media. No, it doesn't say that. Call up so-and-so. Hey, did you hear? No. Go and point out their fault just between the two of you. Here's a thought before we go any further. Next time somebody comes to you and says those words to you, did you hear? about so-and-so, you need to ask them this question. In love, don't be rude, don't be mean, do it lovingly. Ask that person if they've went to that person and talked to that person one-on-one. If they haven't, say, you know what, stop. Stop. 
cover your ears, run as fast as you can, as far away as you can from them. Do not listen to them, because they've not gone to that person that they're now gossiping about and accusing, and probably falsely. So you go and you point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you've won them over. Praise the Lord. Oh, I wish it was that easy. It's usually not. Verse 16 is the second step when the first step is met with failure. Jesus says, but if they will not listen, take one or two others along so that, and here it is, every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they still refuse to listen, step three, and this is what Paul is telling Timothy to do, in fact, do it publicly. If it is validated and authenticated, and the accusation is true, and you've approached it in this biblical way, and these conditions have been met, and they still won't receive it, even after in verse 17, they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would someone who works for the IRS. No, it says that. It says, I updated it because they didn't have the IRS then. But he says, a pagan. A pagan? Yeah. Oh, or a tax collector. Maybe one and the same. I don't know. I'm just saying, wow, where's the love? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. You think that's love? To not confront them? You think that's loving? Hmm. Sounds like you go to Calvary Chapel, Corinth. I'm not trying to be cute. That's what Paul wrote to the Corinthians. Oh, we fancy it, the love chapter. We quote it, we recite it, we read it, we memorize it. Certainly at weddings, love is, love is patient, love is kind, love is, you go down that list, and I don't know how far you get, but one suggested that you put your name in there. You know, JD is patient. I'm done right there. First one, right out of the chute. Do you know why we have that famous love chapter in the book of Corinthians? It's because the Corinthian church thought they were so loving, so tolerant, so accepting. Hey, we don't confront anybody. Hey, we just want you to come. You know, praise the Lord. We're not going to judge you. That's not love. In fact, that's the antithesis of love. You must not love them at all if you're unwilling to confront them. So here's the deal. It's pretty graphic. You'll forgive the bluntness with which I say this, but it was happening in the church. They, under the banner of this kind of love, which is really self-love, they were embracing, accepting, tolerating this guy who was having sex with his stepmom. How about that? Yeah. And they're like boasting about it. Look at us. We're so loving. 
we're a loving church. No, you're not. You know what Paul says? You think that's love? First of all, that's not love. If you really love this guy, you know what you're going to do? You're going to kick him out of the church. Have nothing to do with him like a pagan or a tax collector. And it even gets worse. He says, you're going to give him over to Satan for the destruction of his flesh. Wow, that's mean. No, it's not. Because he'll come to his senses. Give him over. Get him out. First of all, you got to protect that church. Because that kind of thing has a way of spreading like a cancer. Oh, and so what? People there at that church are looking and going, oh, it must be cool. They must be cool with this. So I guess it doesn't matter if I do something like that. Paul's saying, get them out and do it publicly. Like he says to Timothy, you need to do this publicly so that others will see that's love. If you really love this guy, then you need to get him out of the church and let Satan have his way with them, and he'll repent when he comes to his senses. And you know what? It worked. Second Corinthians, <laughs> you got to love these Corinthians. Don't be too hard on them. We're probably just exactly like them. So here's what happens. The guy repents, and he wants to be restored. And he tries to come back to the church, pulls up in the parking lot, and uh you know, parking attendants and the security team there at that Corinthian church are like, hey, what are you doing here? We kicked you out of here. He says, no, I repented. No, not so fast. And so Paul has to write and say, what are you guys doing? Restore him. Forgive him. He repented. What's the matter with you? They go to the opposite extreme. I mean, they go from not confronting him to not restoring him. Ah, What in the world? That's not a healthy church. That's an unhealthy church. So here's how we got that famous love chapter. Paul basically says this. He says, that's not love. This is what love is. Love is this, 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 and this. That's what love is. That's not love. So (laughs) people come to this church and we have gone to great lengths as the pastor of this church, which is my privilege to be, and those in leadership in this church, we have gone to great lengths to be biblical in our approach when something like this happens, and it does happen. But we've got to deal with it in a loving way and in a biblical way for this reason. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. We hope you continue to be encouraged in your faith as we learn from the book of 1 Timothy together. One of the greatest lessons from this book is that it doesn't matter how young or old you are. If God calls you to something, answer His calling. He's faithful to use you and your gifting to further the kingdom in powerful ways. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. As always, we encourage you to keep studying the Bible on your own. If you'd like to hear more of Pastor J.D.'s teachings in this series, you'll be able to find them at InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. Maybe you've been listening today and you've become aware that you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. You may already read the Bible and may even attend church, but have you surrendered your life to Christ? 
If not, today's the day to make that change. If you're not sure where to start, please visit InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com right now and find the ABCs of Salvation under the Resources tab. This will give you step-by-step instructions and will answer questions you might have about why this is so important. We also encourage you to be part of a church. If you're in the Kaneohe area, we'd love to have you join our church family. Come visit Calvary Chapel Kaneohe on Sundays and Thursdays for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor J.D. You can find out more and get directions at our website. Again, that's InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. Thanks for joining us for In Spirit and Truth.